We're going to start in Matthew chapter 5 uh, today. Last week we started a, a, two, a two-parter here. We already knew it was going to be a two-parter. But uh, we started uh, the gospel for everyone. And uh, last week we started in Matthew 22 uh, with the parable of the wedding feast. And so uh, just to remind you, as well as if you weren't here last week, just to catch you up to where we are, uh, in, the, uh, in the parable of the wedding feast, uh, we have Jesus talking about a king, and his son was getting married, and, and uh, he had prepared a, a great feast, and he told his servants, go out and invite those who are invited to come in and celebrate with me and my son, for everything has been prepared." And actually what ends up happening in this parable in, in Matthew 22 is that the, the servants go out and they're mistreated and they're actually killed. And so they're, in, in Jesus' parable here, he, he's really talking about those who should have received the Messiah but instead rejected the Messiah. And so he actually goes back and he turns back to the, to the servants and, and he says, and he sends out some more servants and, and this is what he does, and, and he gives them kind of three commands. And again, this is just a way of review. In verse 8, he says this, And he said to his servants, that is the king said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Again, why were they not worthy? They rejected the invite, and they actually killed the, the servants that went out. And so then we see that there's a new mission given to the servants, and this is their mission. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And the, what the result is, the servants do that. They go out and it says, and the wedding hall is full of people. And so we looked at three things. This is the command of the king. The king said, go, find, invite. And the way that we look at that is if you look down at that verse again, or you don't have that verse in front of you, I'm sorry, but if you looked at that verse there in Matthew 22, 9, the idea is this, go therefore into the main roads, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding feast. And so last week we began to talk about that because really that is personal evangelism, that is soul winning, Paul calls it the ministry of reconciliation, that is what we do. We go, we find, and we invite. We invite people to have a relationship with the Lord, to have a relationship with their Creator. And really, this is one of the main purposes of the believer, is really to share the gospel with unbelievers. It has been one of the main purposes of the believer from the beginning of the church. And so we think about how we got to where we are today and it was people sharing the gospel with one another, sharing the gospel with one another. And now here today, we still have the gospel, and the gospel is still changing lives. Why? Because people are sharing the gospel with the next generation. So this has been happening for generations and generations and generations. The gospel has affected people. Go, find, invite. And God's kingdom continues to grow as more and more people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we started, that's the idea that we started last year, I mean last, uh, last Sunday, so it was this idea of really going and finding and inviting. And so it was kind of a two-parter, and we'll, we'll get some uh, review in a little bit, um, 
uh, those first two points that we talked about. But just a reminder here as we get started that the, the church is always declining, therefore, really, the church should always be growing. And so we talked about this a little bit last week, that really, if we are not going and finding and inviting people to have a relationship with the Lord, that our churches, our Christian churches, will just continue to shrink and shrink and shrink. And why is that? Well, that's because people are continually being graduated into heaven. So people are going, moving into glory. And if we're not sharing the gospel, then one day churches just like ours will close the door. Because truly, if a church is not growing, it is declining. And why? Because churches are always declining. So we must at least meet the uh, we must at least grow to meet the decline. Now, we're not in the business of building churches, okay? It's not my goal. It's not the leadership's goal. It shouldn't be our goal that, to have some mega church here, all right? That's not our goal at all. Really, it is the Lord who builds churches. Instead, really, we ought to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We should be ambassadors for the Lord. And, and really, to be ambassadors for the Lord, it is we come from a kingdom or we're part of a kingdom and we want you to be part of that kingdom as well, would you join into a relationship with the Lord? And so we want to share that good news. Now, our purpose of bringing, that, that purpose is to bring God glory through his grace that we have received and encouraging other people to in turn also bring God glory through faith. And so as we get started today, we do want to look at Matthew chapter 5. We don't want to spend our whole time again on the academics of sharing the gospel, though we will spend some time in how to share the gospel, we should have some, some reference here. And so we find this in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. So if you would stand out of respect for God's word, we're just going to read just a, a couple of verses here in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, and it says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to, uh, to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's go ahead and stop there and we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, Lord, we think about this um, much-needed emphasis on sharing the gospel, that really, Lord, this was so important to you, that really when we think about Christ and we think about the gospel, we see this, this scarlet this scarlet ribbon throughout the Bible, starting in Genesis, starting with the fall, and, and that hope that we have that one day the seed of man will come and, and crush the head of the serpent all the way to the end. And when we think about revelations and, and the fact that in the future all, all will bow down and worship the Lord and recognize him for who he is, we will all one day bow the knee. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for using us to spread the gospel. We think about this idea of of planting and watering the gospel. Thank you for choosing us. We pray that you would help us, give us boldness. As we've been discussing, Lord, um, and, and really being given, trying to at least be given the tools so that we can be more bold in our witness, we pray that you would use us to share the gospel with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. To really demonstrate the impact of Jesus' followers, Jesus used two uh, common illustrations that we're going to look at today as we get started. And so that very first illustration that, that Jesus uses, uses for his followers is this idea of salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Again, notice you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, where, how shall its saltiness be restored? Now, much of the salt uh, that they had at this time came from the Dead Sea. And the salt that came from the Dead Sea had a lot of imperfections. It had a lot of different uh, materials in it. And so sometimes uh, the, sea, the salt that came from the sea, the Dead Sea, uh, was very salty. And it was used for uh, the purpose of, of either preservation, uh, preserving something, or to flavor something. But sometimes you would get a batch of salt that came from the Dead Sea, and it really wasn't very salty at all. And so what they would do with that salt, it was actually used to maintain paths. So they would throw down the salt, and it helped to keep the weeds down. It was made to, or used to maintain paths. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here when he says uh, that salt that has lost its saltiness is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled under people's feet. Now, why refer to God's followers as salt or the salt of the earth? Well, there's a couple of reasons that potentially Jesus used that analogy for his followers. Number one, because salt creates thirst. Salt creates thirst. It is used for seasoning. And when you use it for seasoning, and depending on how much salt you use, it often creates a thirst. And really, as Jesus was speaking here, this is how he could have used that word salt as we think about his followers being salt. That really our lives should cause others around us to go, I want what you have. I am thirsty for what you have. What you appear to have in your life is joy. What you appear to have in your life is purpose. What you appear to have your life is really faith. And in my world seems to be just, just, just spiraling out of control. And yet you seem to have a good foundation. I want what you have. And it possibly is that, that the reason why Christ used the word salt to describe his followers is that other people would see us. And they would say, I don't know what you have. But I want what you have. Really, we should be drawing people to Christ through our lives. There should be something different about us that people say, you know what? There's something different about them that draws them to Christ. When I was, when I was a senior in high school, I, I worked at a grocery store. And I, one of the purposes of, of my job was to... Um, 
uh, bag groceries and then, and then take them out and put them in people's cars. And, and so I did that when I, was, when I was in high school, when I was a senior. And so this lady who, who came quite frequently, and, and I don't remember her name. She probably didn't know my name, although I had my name on my, um, on my shirt there. And uh, she, she knew I was a senior, and so she said, well, you're, so uh, you're about to, 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 to graduate, so what are your plans? And so I told her my plans. My plans were to go off to Bible college and, and said I was going go to go to Bob Jones. And here am I, I'm putting the groceries in the back of her truck or in the back of her car in her trunk. And all of a sudden she stops and she goes, huh, well, that's really interesting. And so I, I'm waiting for the next words to come out of her mouth and she said, you know what, many people in your position, they're just graduating from, from high school, they're looking forward to have freedom. They're, will, they're looking forward to doing whatever they want. And yet you're going to a Bible college, and that Bible college has standards. You actually want to go to a place where you're not allowed to do whatever you want? She said, that's strange. That's not a place that many people would choose to go and then she asked this, why? Why would you want to go to a Bible college? And so I had an opportunity. I didn't share the gospel with her, but I had an opportunity to just tell her, you know what? I'm a Christian, and, and, and I believe that the Lord has called me to be a pastor one day, and so I'm going to prepare. And so I'm chosen to go to a Bible college to prepare. And I remember that lady just said, hmm, well, good for you. And it wasn't like a negative thing. I, I, I didn't feel like she was attacking me. She was just really curious about why I would choose that over what most high schoolers would choose. And really, it's possible for our lives to create a thirst in others where they begin to ask the question, why? Why do you choose to do that when it doesn't appear that most people would choose to do that? And that can open up an opportunity to share that good news. So that might be one of the reasons why Christ talked about us being salt or his followers being salt. The second reason is because salt was used to preserve. And so as you open up and, and, and you look at uh, what people say and pastors say, uh, sometimes they say it's because of preservation. That's oftentimes what salt was also used for. It was to preserve things. So we didn't, they didn't have like refrigerators and freezers like we have today. We preserve our food by, if you notice a date in the refrigerator, you just do what? You put it in the freezer and then you thaw it out later. So that's how we preserve things today. But they preserve things using salt. They use, they use salt all the time in that fashion. And so many, many people believe that the way that we are to be salt is to preserve godliness in this world. That we have the Holy Spirit within us. That we have God within us. And as followers of, of Jesus Christ, we should take a stand for those things that are right. As we think about the world today, even as maybe you think about maybe the public school, and, and there's a lot of crazy things happening in our state with the public school these days. But I imagine if there weren't Christians who are standing firm for the Lord and standing firm for godliness... That, that really public schools all across our nation would be much different. Because the world does have an agenda. And the world does want to teach the next generation their agenda. 
And yet there's Christians all across our country that take a stand and say, no, we're not going to allow that. And so that's one way in which Christians can preserve godliness because truly the world is spiraling, spiraling out of control and Christians are able to kind of keep that at bay by sharing the gospel, by seeing people come to the Lord. And so preserve godliness. So that very first idea there, that, that first concept that Jesus talked about his followers being is the salt of the earth. So we ought to be the salt of the earth as followers of Jesus Christ. That second thing there is the light of the world. And, and that comes up in the next verses. You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, put it on, but on a stand... And it gives light to the whole house. And so, again, what was a light or lamp used for at that time? Well, they didn't flip a switch and the lights came on. If they wanted light in their, in their home after the sun went down, they would have to light a candle, light a lamp. And so uh, Jesus gives this picture. It makes no sense for someone to light a lamp and yet keep it hidden. No, that lamp is a show light across the whole house. And in the same way, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called that light, that we have been given light so that we can in turn allow that light to shine. Of course, who is the light of the world? Well, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Jesus Christ is the light of life. But we as Christians, we can reflect God's light to others. And so we can, uh, those, those of us who, who really have a relationship with the Lord and we're growing and, and we live different lives, we live lives that bring God, glory to God. And then this comes true in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That they can't help but say, well, I don't know what's different about you, but I like it. And maybe even that conversation would lead to something, I don't know what's different about you, but how can I have it? And then those people in turn will give glory to the Lord as well. And so we do have a purpose. Our purpose is to draw others to the Lord. And this is one of the primary reasons why we've started this series of messages about sharing your faith. Because truly, if we are light as followers of Jesus Christ, if we are salt as followers of Jesus Christ, then God's going to give us opportunities to witness. And so where do we go? Matter of fact, Peter said this, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so if anyone asked about the hope that you have, could you share the gospel with them? So that's why we've been going through this, why we laid a foundation of what the gospel is, and then we started going through how to share the gospel. And so last week we talked about the first two parts. Part number one, the approach. Part number two, the plan. So what is the approach? The approach is to take a conversation 
well, to develop relationships, to take a conversation and be able to turn that conversation to the theme of themes. And what is the theme of themes? Well, that is the gospel. And there's some people, we talked about this last week, there's some people, they just have like a knack for it. They're, they're always waiting in a conversation, and as soon as they see that turning point, they take it. And they'll turn the conversation into something spiritual, and, and they'll share the gospel. There's some people, that's just their gift. That's the way that God's gifted them. Other of us, maybe we have to work a little more hard to be able to turn a conversation. But really, if we stop and we pray, Lord, would you open up an opportunity today, this week, this month, this year, for me to share the gospel and maybe pray about something, someone specific. Maybe it's like a neighbor or a co-worker or a family member and just pray for them and say, Lord, would you open up an opportunity? And then the second real prayer is, and then if you do open up opportunity, give me boldness to be able to take that opportunity. Because I think a lot of times, and I know this to be true in my own life, a lot of times I see the opportunity, I see the conversation turning to the theme of themes, but I don't take it for one reason or another. And so we ought to take that opportunity to be able to share the gospel. That was the first, that was the approach. Then we talked about a plan, all right? So, so now you've changed the conversation, you, you've turned it to spiritual things, and, and the person seems to be open to it, now what? We should have a plan, how to share the gospel. So we talked about three things, uh, three different ways that you can have a plan. First of all, an outline. And um, if you weren't here last week, we did put that message online. You can find it on uh, Apple Podcast or Google or Spotify and listen to that. But uh, that that outline there, very helpful and some, some tips that we talked about last week. That other thing is use a track, all right? And so we have tracks right out here, right down this hallway here. You can grab those. Those are for you. Pass them out, okay? Last week we said, don't put them in a drawer, all right? Uh, don't put them in the junk drawer. Pass them out, okay? If you take them, uh, be sure to give them away. And uh, if you're not sure, just take one, and then when you pass it out, grab another one, Okay? And so I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying don't grab a whole stack and not use them, okay? But they are there for you to use them. And that's a great way to, to share the gospel with someone uh, using a track. The third way, though, is your testimony, all right? And so uh, another way that we can share the gospel with someone is just to share your own personal testimony of how you came to the Lord. And remember, bring Bible verses into it. And so we talked about how to do that uh, last week. So that, that is three ways or three uh, opportunities that you might plan out, all right? Either an outline, a track, or a personal testimony. And uh, so once you get started, uh, move through uh, the gospel uh, with someone. Find out your approach. Figure out a plan, all right? That's a review from last week. Now, this week, okay? So you've, you've already explained the whole gospel, Okay, you've, you've gone through maybe like all the Romans road. You've, you've given them the bad news. You've given them the good news. Now what? Well, the next step is really to offer them an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It's, it's an opportunity. It's really the decision, all right? It's an opportunity to have them make a decision for the Lord. And, and if you notice, I have this number, point number three. Why? Because we've already covered point number one. The approach, point number two, the plan. This is point number three of this two-parter, the decision, 
all right? Would this person make a decision for the Lord? And so you, you would probably ask the person, and this might be a question. Again, this is my words. You want to use your own words, okay? But you might ask them something like this. Do you understand that you are a sinner? Do you understand that you're a sinner? And really, if they say no, then you can't really go any further. Because really, someone has to be lost before they're found. Someone has to realize that they're, on one, they're, they're going one direction, and they really need to repent and turn another direction. And so really, they need to understand that they are a sinner. If they, if they say, you know, well, you know, I've done some bad things, but, but I'm not a sinner, you can't really move, move forward uh, from there. They, they really need to realize that they are a sinner and that they're in need of a Savior. So if they don't think they need a Savior, then why would they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save them from their sins if they don't believe that they're a sinner? And so that might be a great opportunity for you to go back and say, hey, do you have any questions? And, and we talked about um, uh, some of those. I don't, I don't have them down here. I put them all away. But some of those um, uh, tracks, remember, they have lots of verses in there. You might not use all of them. But if you haven't used all of them, and these have some questions about being a sinner, hey, what a great opportunity to flip back in the track and say, hey, let's look at a couple more verses in the Bible that talk about the fact that we are all sinners. And then describe what, what sin is. And it's possible they just don't understand. And so maybe talk to them a little bit more about that. But let's say they say yes. They say, okay, I understand. I mean, I, I did it before. I knew that I messed up. But, but uh, I, now I realize that I am a sinner. The next step is this. This is the next question. Would you like Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Some people ask this. Would you like Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior? So first of all, they need to realize that they're lost without God. Second of all, they need to realize that Jesus has, or God has offered them a gift. And so when God is working in hearts, their answer will be yes. Yes. Yes, I do want to ask the Lord to be my Savior. When the Lord is working in hearts, that will be their answer. Now, if their answer is no, again, you can't. You can't move on from there. And so you have to say, okay, well, do you have any questions? And we'll talk about some ways to kind of end the the conversation a little bit bit later. But some things to consider, okay? So as we think about point number three, the decision. These are some things to consider. All right, first of all, it is really God who saves people. It's God who saves people. It's not us who save people, all right? It's not our words. It's not our illustrations. It's the word of God and God working in hearts that saves people. Matter of fact, Paul points to this as he's talking about the gospel, all right? This comes from 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. And this is the the words of Paul, and Paul says this. I planted, in in the context here, he's talking about the gospel, I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So Paul, Paul saw himself along Apollos. Apollos was another good, charismatic speaker. People loved Apollos. They loved him as a pastor. And, and Paul said, you know what? There's something that you're missing about this whole thing. Me, Paul, and Apollos, we're just really servants of the Lord. We plant sometimes. We water sometimes. 
but God is the one that gives the increase. And then he goes on to say this, for neither he who plants, that's what he's speaking about himself and Apollos, he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means. I mean, it, it appears to me maybe there might be some, some award for faithfulness to what the Lord has called you to. But then in verse 9 here, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's filled, God's building. And so, so Paul really says this, me and Apollos and, and really all of those who share the gospel, there's going to be opportunities where we plant the gospel, and there's going to be opportunities where we water the gospel, but it's really God who creates that growth. And so that decision time cannot be forcing someone to make a decision. And sometimes that does happen. So the second thing, and under things to consider, never demand a decision. And I'm going to be honest with you, because I've, I've known this to be true from, from personal testimony, that, that sometimes in this position, that people are so focused on, on this decision that they will do a couple of things. They will make up verses so that someone gets saved. That's not the right thing to do. Someone has a question, and you don't know where to turn in the Bible, so you just make up a verse on the fly. That's not the right thing to do. But you know, there have been some people that have done that over the years. Don't do that. All right? There's a second thing that sometimes people do. They say something like this, and you have probably heard this before. You know what? If you become a Christian, all your problems will go away. And you guys laugh because you're Christians. And you know that when you became a Christian, not all your problems went away. Matter of fact, we were just talking about the Udleys and, and the, the missionaries that we're talking about possibly supporting. And they get back from visiting with us and they find out what? Their, their refrigerator broke while they were gone. And, and then their, their dishwasher breaks. Here, here people are. They want to go out and serve the Lord on their mission field. And yet they still have trials. All right? That's the second thing that we should be careful of in this decision. Don't promise things you know are not true. Okay? That's not a way to convince someone to make a decision. We cannot force people to make decisions. Let me give you another, uh, another illustration of, of, a, of a way, and, and uh, a pastor shared this with me, about an evangelist. An evangelist... This is not Ron DeGard, okay? So uh, Ron DeGard is going to be here next Sunday. This is not an illustration of him. It's an, a different evangelist. But the evangelist actually went to a, a home, and, and uh, he was sharing the gospel with the family. And so uh, he went through the whole plan of salvation. And at the very end, he said, well, let me pray for you guys. And, and so he prayed for the family that they would accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And then this is what the evangelist did. With, with his head bowed and his eyes closed, he said, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, grab my hand right now. And he waited. And he waited. And he waited. And you know what? That family had no option. Either they were going to be there all night... Or they were going to grab on to that evangelist's hand. So what do they do? They grabbed onto that evangelist's hand. 
and he prayed with them. And then he walked out from that home saying, well, praise the Lord, they got saved. And that pastor walked away saying, they didn't get saved. You forced a decision that they did not want to make. And so as, as uh, I've had interactions with pastors, pastors have shared with me some of the, some of the do nots. And that is a do not, all right? We cannot force people to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We have not helped them at all. If we have tricked them into accepting the gospel, if we have promised them something that's not true, or if we have forced them into starting a relationship with the Lord, they're no better off than when we started, all right? So the very first thing to consider is that God does the saving, we don't. Second thing that we should consider is never demand a decision. It must be between them and the Lord. And this is the third, the third thing to consider. Always keep the door open for the next person. All right? So remember that illustration of, of Paul and Apollos. Paul said, some plant, others what? Water. Sometimes, and again, I have... I have seen this firsthand uh, with, with people, that they can be so forceful with the gospel that they really burn the bridge of sharing the gospel down the road for someone else. And so maybe they're planting and maybe they're watering, but they're using like a fire hose to water the gospel and the person now becomes really turned off from Christianity altogether we should never do that. We should always leave an opportunity for the next person to come along and water the gospel so that it might take root in their life. And so I've actually, I've seen guys. Um, uh, I've, I've uh, been door to door sharing the gospel with guys and, and literally they will like stick their foot in the door because they're not finished talking yet. And that's not the approach that we should take. Always leave it on a good foot. Even though they, they really haven't accepted the Lord, you can leave it open so that they can either talk to you in the future or talk to someone else. So let me give you some, some, some ideas here. Again, these are my words. You'd want to use your words. But here's some ways to end a conversation with an unbeliever. So they say, no, I'm just not, I don't understand I'm a sinner, or I don't want what you're offering. I don't want Jesus Christ. So a couple of things you could say is this. One, would it be okay if I pray for you? All right, sometimes people say, well, I can't stop you. Okay, well, great. I'm just going to pray for you and, and, and uh, have a great day and I'll, I'll be on my way. Or, or maybe you're talking to a coworker and say, hey, you know what? If, if I could just pray for you, and, and, and they probably would not be opposed to that. Another thing you could say is, if you have any questions, I would love to help. All right? Maybe it's not right right now. If you have any questions in the future, I'd love to help. And you know what? Don't be afraid of questions. I know we're afraid. What? If they ask us a question, we're not going to know. Guess what? It's going to happen. Just prepare yourself. They're going to ask you a question. You're not going to know. And you're just going to have to go back and find the answer. I, I do the same thing. Sometimes people ask me questions, and I'm like, I don't know. And I have to go back and find the answer. All right? And so don't, don't be afraid of questions. Say, hey, you know what, if you have any questions, I'd love to help. Or maybe this. I say this for last because I, I think it may, may be one of the best. I go to Wilton Bible Church. And you know, I know they would like to answer your questions or help you find the answers. So you should come to church with me sometime. 
and, and I might not know all the answers, and my pastor says he doesn't know the answer, all the answers, but I'm sure he would love to help you find uh, the answers. And so just invite them to church, and uh, it could be that God is truly working in their heart, but you want to leave that bridge intact. Don't bur- burn that bridge. Keep the door open for someone else. All right? So number, one, uh, number three, that third point there is uh, that decision. All right? That decision. The very last point, so someone, someone does say, okay, I do believe I'm a sinner. Maybe I didn't believe that before, but I, I believe that now. And I do want Jesus Christ to be my personal Savior. Now what? You pray with them. All right? You pray with them. And so uh, talk with them about talking to the Lord about the decision that, that they would like to make. And, and so some people won't know how to pray, but I believe it is important for them to pray, and so you can share with them what is prayer. So if you just mull around in your mind, if you were to, if somebody to say, I don't know how to pray, how do I pray? What, what would you say? What would be your words? You might say something like this. Well, you know, God is always with us. God is always with us. And it's just like talking to someone you can't see. So you can't see God, but he's right with us. He's always with us. And when we pray, we're just talking to God whom we can't see. That's all it is. And so we're talking to God. And that might give them an opportunity. I remember uh, we, uh, at my previous church, uh, we were asking about prayer. And, and this little girl, this little elementary girl raised her hand. She said, I know what prayer is. And and uh, so the pastor said, well, what's prayer? And she said, it's like talking to your friend with the lights out. Because she had had sleepovers before where she had uh, had a friend over and they talked to the lights out and they, she couldn't see her friend, but she could talk to her friend. And she said, that's what prayer is. I can't see God, but I can talk to him like the lights are out. And uh, what a great uh, illustration of what prayer is. Just talking to God though we can't see him. Now, is it important that someone pray? I think it is, and uh, this is why I believe that. Paul says this, this is Romans 10, 9 and 10, because if you confess with your mouth, and so notice, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then he goes on to say this, for with with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so I believe that there, there is an importance there to uh, prayer, someone talking to the Lord. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 2, again, this is in the context that we've already looked at when, when, when the Holy Spirit came and everyone was hearing in their own tongue and Peter goes out and he preaches the gospel. And this is one of the things that Peter says. This is Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, all right? Everyone who calls upon the Lord shall be saved. So I, I think that there is an important part that we don't share the gospel, say, do you want to accept Jesus Christ, and then say, okay, well, have a good day. I think you give them an opportunity to, to, to really pray and ask the Lord uh, to be their, uh, ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, and so let me give you some illustrations of verses that sometimes people go to. So sometimes when it comes to the prayer, people go to this verse. So this is Luke 18, 13. 
And this is the tax collector as, as, as he's praying to the Lord. And so they'll have them pray this verse right here, or this saying right here. So notice the whole verse. But the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so sometimes Christians, they, they go to this verse, and they say, if you don't know how to pray, uh, this is what the tax collector prayed, and, and why don't you think about praying this? Other people, they like to go to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. And we're actually going to look at this verse, uh, the, these couple of verses here, or this group of verses uh, for Easter. But uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3. And sometimes this is where people go, For I deliver it to you as of first importance that I also receive that, that Christ died for our sins according with the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he raised on the third day and according to the Scriptures. And so uh, this, this is a good place to go as well. If somebody doesn't know how to pray, these are some good points here. And uh, what, what are the, what's, what's kind of the outline? So let's say you don't go to any verses because you're, you're just on the spot, you weren't prepared, you don't have it written down on your hands. No, you don't have it written down in your Bible, you don't know where to go, you don't want to use one of these verses. You just want them to pray in their own words. Well, I think that there are three important things that should be part of this prayer. First of all, to tell God you are a sinner. And, and why? Well, remember, Peter said, repent and be baptized. Repent is the idea of I'm going in one direction, and I want to turn, and I want to go in a different direction. I've been living for myself, but now I want to live for the Lord. And so the very first thing that, that people should do is just admit to God, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. The second thing they, they should admit to God is tell God you believe that Jesus did die for you. That is where they're putting their belief. It's not in their works. It's not in going to church. It, it's, it's not God plus or Christ plus other things, but it's the work of the cross and that alone. All right? And so believe, do you believe that Jesus Christ did die for you? Yes. Well, then I'll talk to the Lord about that. And the very last thing is ask Jesus Christ to save you or ask Jesus Christ to be your personal savior. And so just encourage someone to pray aloud, all right? Pray out loud so that you can hear what they're praying. And, and if they get stuck, you, you can help them, all right? And sometimes, sometimes what people do is they just, they say, here, why don't I pray with you and you could just repeat after me. Now, that's not my go-to, Okay, that's not my go-to. I would rather hear them pray in their own words than to pray something that I'm praying. Um, but if, if that's not possible, if they're just too afraid to pray, they're afraid they're going to mess it up, then, then help them, okay? And so, Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ died in my place. Lord, will you save me from my sin? All right, so you've led someone in prayer. Now what? Okay, so we went through the approach, turning the conversation to the theme of themes. Then we talked about the plan. You have a plan in place. You led them through the gospel. Now you came to a decision. You didn't force the decision. They made the decision on their own. You didn't trick them. You didn't offer them something in, in exchange for the gospel. They made the decision. You prayed with them. Now what? Now what? The very last thing is, you talk to them about spirit, their, their new spiritual life, all right? So one of the things that you could do is, is say, hey, you know, I just want to let you know, after I got saved, this is how I began to grow in the Lord, okay? Encourage them. 
Find a good local church that preaches the Bible and be a part of that. That will help you grow in the Lord. Hey, you should come to our church, okay? Come to Wilton Bible Church. And uh, we, we preach the gospel there, right? we preach the Bible there, and you'll learn. I'm learning, you can learn alongside of me. You'll have a friend you can sit by, okay? Invite them to church. Invite them to read the Bible. Share some, maybe some verses on, on assurance of their salvation, all right? Encourage them to get baptized, to share their decision with maybe their pastor or their parents or maybe their friends. And so have them share that decision, that new life is exciting. Encourage them to take those first steps. Sometimes, sometimes uh, Christians share the gospel and someone makes a decision and someone prays and gets saved. And then they never go to church and they never read the Bible. And then the Christian who led them just thinks to themselves, well, they must have not really been a Christian because if they were a Christian, then they would have come to church. But really... They're just a baby, baby Christian. They need encouragement. They need to be fed. They need to be encouraged. It's just like when you have a new baby at home. You don't put the food on the table and say, well, the baby didn't come out of the crib and crawl down the hall and get up into the seat and eat the food. So they may, must not really be a baby. No. When you have a baby, baby you nurture them, you take care of them, you encourage them, you even help feed them. And when you have someone that just put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they're just a baby, baby Christian. They don't know what's next. And so take that opportunity to, to share what's next. I just want to share this, this last, these last verses with you and then we'll be done today. And I wanted to share these verses with you just to remind us of Jesus' Jesus's view of souls. So we talked about this idea of we should be salt and light and uh, really have an impact uh, for the Lord. But there was something else that Jesus uh, talked about, another illustration that we should look at as we close today. And this is found in Matthew chapter 9. This is found in Matthew chapter 9. This gives us an idea of Jesus' view of souls that we come in contact with as he looked out and he saw souls. And so notice here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and it says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And he saw the crowds. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. As Jesus Christ was going out, and he was, he was here in, in, in his uh, earthly ministry, and he was healing, and he was preaching, he noticed people need help. They need the gospel. And so what, what was Jesus' reaction? He had compassion. He said, you know what we ought to do? We ought to pray that the Lord of harvest would send forth laborers. And he continues to send forth laborers. And we know that because 
most of us, if not all of us, somebody shared the gospel with us. And it took root, and it grew, and it glorified God. And so we are also those laborers. It's very interesting that Jesus told his disciples, pray that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest. And then right after that, he sent the very people who prayed this into the harvest. And so may God use us as laborers in his harvest. Really, may we be people who, what, go, find, and invite. And so I hope that you feel encouraged as we think about the tools. We've talked about the approach. We've talked about the plan. We've talked about the decision. We've talked about the prayer. Then we talked about what happens after they get saved. And I've given you the tools. And so what we need to do is really ask the Lord, help me to be bold. Help me to have courage to share the gospel. We have the tools. Now will we go out and share that good news? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we do thank you for choosing us to be laborers. Lord, you could choose uh, much better things than human beings, men and women, and yet that's what you chose. And, and it's been the same choice for, for hundreds of years that you have, you have chosen that, that people share the good news and that people's lives are changed and the next generation shares the good news and, and people's lives are changed and the next generation shares the good news. And here we are in our current generation, Lord. We pray that you will help us to be laborers in your harvest field. Help us to have courage and boldness to develop relationships with people who need the Lord. Help us to take those opportunities to change those conversations to the theme of themes, be able to share that good news. Help us to be prepared with a plan. Help us to bring them to a decision, not a forced decision, but a decision that they make between them and you and give us wisdom as they pray and ask the Lord to be their Lord and Savior. And Lord, I do pray that you'd use Wilton Bible Church to reach into our community, that we would see new families and new Christians, that it wouldn't simply be Christians from other churches that are a part of Wilton Bible Church, but that truly the Christians within Wilton Bible Church would reach unbelievers with the gospel, that you would help us to grow as a church because the gospel is taking root in lives, because we are watering the gospel, and because you are providing that growth. Help us to lean on you always, because you are the provider of that spiritual life. And so, Lord, give us that grace to move forward. In Jesus' name.